Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actors Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but I'm only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students, and I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. He studied acting and directing with Lee Strasberg and became a member of the Actors Studio where he was influenced by directors such as Elia Kazan, Arthur Penn. He appeared in the first Actors Studio production, Strange Interlude with Geraldine Page and Jane Fonda. He's appeared on television in such shows as The Hitchcock Hour, The Outer Limits, and The Twilight Zone. He's appeared in several movies, among them, A Bridge on the River Kwai, Bonjour Tristy, and The Tempest. He did many plays on Broadway and off Broadway. He started teaching acting at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute in New York in 1978. In addition to teaching, he has directed many plays, including The Seagull, Romeo and Juliet, A Streetcar and Named Desire. He studied at Stanford University and graduated from UC Berkeley. He's the co-founder of Shakespeare Downtown in New York, and he's my first acting teacher. I'd like to introduce Jeffrey Horn. Welcome to Hollywood Dreammaker. Uh, thank you, Billy. You were 15, I believe, when I met I was, you. I was. I was. It was, uh, I was 15. It was probably 1982, 85. Wow. 82. Wow. I was in a tough place. You know, I was, I was kind of running around the streets. I had run away from home. I oh. was, I was, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you know, I was running the streets. I didn't of, know. Yeah. I, I was running the streets of Brooklyn, New York, and I grew up without a dad. So, you know, my father figures were guys on the streets, you know, wise guys. I had a guy that I looked yeah. up to who kind of took me under his wing and going down the wrong path. Ah. And then one day uh, I, I cut out from school. I was walking down the street with him and uh, he walked into a men's clothing shop. He was shaking down the owner of the store and the guy's oh. son came out from behind the counter and put five bullets into him, one into his head right in front of Whoa. me. One bullet went Whoa. right over my window, you know, the, the window that I was standing in front of. And, you know, this is the guy that I wanted to be. This was my idol. And, and then I saw him laying there on the ground, bleeding out. And, and I knew I did not want to live that life anymore. I had to get out of Brooklyn. And I had a friend of mine who was a neighbor who was studying at Lee Strasberg. And his name was Stephen Gucciardo. And Stephen was like the coolest guy on my block. He had this white Mercedes Benz and that said Gooch on the plane. He was always dressed up. And it was like, where are you going? He said, I'm going to acting class. So I begged him, you know, please take me with me. Take me, you know. 
and he was part of a theater group called the New Family Theater in in New York. And and I, you know, I started running lights and doing, you know, backstage, you know, whatever I could do to be part of the productions. And then he brought me over to Lee Strasberg and that literally saved my life. And that's when I came into your class and I was 15. I don't know. What what do you remember from that? (laughs) I remember that you were 15. I remember there was a very cute girl in the class that you liked. Everybody liked, I think. <laughs> I remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I loved teaching that. I, it was always on a it was on a Saturday, right? That we t- I, yeah, that it was, was a, the class it was, that was on it was, a Saturday. It was a young yes. people's program on Saturday. Young people's program on a Saturday, and I I loved doing that. And in fact, I was doing it. I was teaching you all while I was doing a play on Broadway. I would leave class and dash to the get to my matinee. Wow! On on Saturday. That was fun. That was a, that was a really good time. That was a great time. Great time. Yeah, it was a great there's time. For me. There's, I'm sorry. There's something left off of my bio. I should put that because everybody loves Bruce Lee. I did. I was on. I was a guest star on. What was that show that Bruce Lee did when he was young? The, the, was the, the Green, Green Hornet. Hornet. The Green Hornet. The Green Hornet. <laughs> the Green Hornet. I was the guest star on that show. I knew Bruce Lee when he was 17 years old. Wow, mm-hmm. that's awesome. All, all the great fans of Bruce Lee. Anyway. You know what so I remember? Yes, of course. Yeah, go on, please. I, what I remember about class was I was highly motivated to get to your class because I believe I was the only boy in the class. It was like a class with like 20 yes. girls. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's so I was, true. I remember because boys didn't like to do it so much then. Young boys didn't like to do it. Now that's changed a lot. But uh, young boys thought, no, that's for girls. That's sissy stuff. I want to be playing basketball or something. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, for me, it was like when I was in high school, you know, I knew I wanted to act because I got bit by the bug when I was 11. They were filming a movie in my neighborhood. I got a small part in it. I was inspired to be an actor. Right. And then and then uh, shortly after they were filming Saturday Night Fever in my neighborhood and I watched John Travolta till four in the morning filming. You know, I, I oh. knew I knew I wanted to do it. And then in high school. I was kind of, you know, I got grabbed by the dean's office and they brought me to my guidance counselor and they said, what do you want to do with your life? You know, and, and I said, I want to be an actor. So, <laughs> so uh, the guidance counselor, she said, you know, you should go see uh, Mr. Carucci down, down in the lunchroom. They're, they're doing a play and they oh. were casting Grease. And I went in oh. and I read and I got the lead part as Danny Zuko. Wow. But, you know, all my friends, you know, my juvenile delinquent friends would pull up in a stolen car and go, come on, jump in. And I go, I know I got to go to rehearsals. And they go, they would call me, man, you fag, you, you know, every name in the book. But when the play was sold out and it was standing room only, and then the next year they were doing West Side Story and all of my friends were in the play. They were all like the Jets in the show. Yeah, yeah, they all wanted to do it. All of a sudden it was cool. Of course. You know who was in that class, but not at the same time as you, but I don't know whether it was before you or after you, was Kevin Corrigan. Do you know Kevin? Yeah, I know Kevin. Kevin's daughter is now studying with me this summer, wow, this fall. Awesome. I mean, isn't that funny? That's great. Uh, you know, so you can, you know, you've been teaching the craft of acting since at Strasburg since 1978. Yeah, right. So you've worked with a lot of actors. Who are some of your actors that you've worked with? That, you know, besides oh, Kevin, I mean, I know there was, was well, Adam there's, Sandler. There's, there's Kevin, Adam Sandler, Alec Baldwin, you can, uh, Kate Brosnahan, who's doing that show, Miss Maisel or Miss Maisel or whatever it is. You know uh, the show, right? Yep. I Maisel. can't think of it. Oh, my God, there's so many, you know, so many. Not so many that are so famous like Adam Sandler or Alec Baldwin, but there's so many that are working. And Jamie Hector, 
he's a, he was a wonderful actor. Jamie Hector is doing it. He did The Wire. Yeah. And then he's on Bosch, this series called Bosch. I think they're filming in L.A. I haven't seen the show yet, but I know he's on it. He's a terrific guy. He's doing really well. So my podcast, my podcast is called Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast because yep. you know I, I I created it to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. If they have a dream to be an actor, I'm living proof. I'm a kid from Brooklyn that came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in his pocket and a one-way ticket. Right. And I made a right. career for myself. I, I've been blessed. I've been in Academy Award winning films, blockbuster films, cult classics, hit TV shows. I've been, you know, I've been right. around the block. But if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, you, if, you go, <laughs> if you really go after it with a passion, you know, there's no reason that, you know, you can't become a working actor. You know, it's a tough, tough right. business. You know, it it's, is a a tough business. it's a very, very tough business. But if it's in your heart, it's, if it's your passion, it's your joy. If, you know, there's people, maybe some naysayers that don't believe in you. Nobody believed in me. You know, when I told I, people I want to come out to Hollywood and be an actor, they kind of laughed at me. But I achieved it and it's possible. So I've had a lot of guests that have told their Hollywood story. And you have an amazing story because, you know, I'd love to hear how you wound up in Bridge on the River Kwai with David Lean directing it. You know, you had a lead role in that film. It was a big Hollywood film as a young actor. Can you tell me your Hollywood story? Well, uh, it wasn't really a Hollywood story. It was a New York story. You know, I came to New York right out of college. I have my stories a little different from yours. I had a much more protected life than you did. Uh, nobody shot at me or my friend. But anyway, I came to New York when I was, I was very young. I was 21. I, I had one connection, one contact, one con, uh, not a connection, a contact. It was a friend of my mother's, actually, who happened to be Tennessee Williams' agent. Uh, she got me an audition for Kazan. My very first audition in New York was for Aliyah Kazan. Imagine, wow. imagine that. Yeah, really. My second audition was for a toothpaste commercial, so it didn't, <laughs> wasn't always going straight uphill. But uh, Kazan was great, and he was very nice to me. He was very kind. He was very, uh, he was, he was, he said I should study acting. And he, I said, who should I study with? And he said, Lee Strasberg. And he mentioned other, the other great teachers, Stella Adler, Sandy Meisner. And I met all the teachers and a he did mention Lee Strasberg twice. And so I ended up with Lee Strasberg. Lee was the one who, he paid attention to me. I wasn't used to pe people paying attention to me. And he paid it, he listened to me. And so, you know, I didn't, under, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand anything. I was brought up in a very conventional way and I didn't know anything. I think if I could think of one thing that I learned from Lee right away was that to be sensitive was a good thing. I was always taught, oh, you're too sensitive. But to be sensitive was a good thing that all these great actors that I admired, like say Marlon Brando, that we all love passionately, that Marlon was sensitive. Uh, he was tough, he was strong, he was handsome, he was all those things, but he was sensitive. And that's uh, what made him great, or one of the things. So I learned that from him. I can tell you really simply, I studied with Lee for a year and I studied hard. And I said, Lee, can I audition for the actor's studio? And he said, you can, but you're not ready. So I studied with him another year. I went to class. I never missed class. I started to work on TV, live TV in New York, which was great then. It was wonderful. They were wonderful um, directors. They were uh, all these people. They all became film directors. Sidney Lumet, uh, Delbert Mann. Uh, I can't think of anybody's name now, but they were all really gifted people. And the shows were live shows. They had commercials just like today, but they were live. And so the, and they were well-written, good writers, good directors. Uh, anyway, uh, so I was working, but I still wasn't ready. And after the end of the second year, I asked him what uh, what uh, 
whether I was ready or not. And he said, yes, what scene are you going to do? And I told him I got in. Wow. And it's sort of something that doesn't exist now. The, when you audition for the actor's studio, you do a preliminary audition and you have three judges who are members of the actor's studio who have done something or they wouldn't be asked to be judges. And one of the judges was the director who directed me in my first movie. Another one was the director who directed me in my first Broadway play. Huh. And the third one was the one who auditioned, a woman auditioned with me for Sam Spiegel for Bridge on the River Kwai. The three people that wow. got me started were the three people. I mean, uh, that's just very unusual. And I was very lucky. Anyway, I got into the actor's, uh, to the actor's studio. And I, got, I passed my audition. I got in the same day that Geraldine Page got in, someone that doesn't mean anything to anybody today, but she was a great actress. Great actress. I was in a play with her, Strange Interlude. I played her son. I had a small part in it. Jane Fonda and I had the small parts in the play. Wow. And the rest of the cast was extraordinary. There were so many, they were so gifted. Anyway, so what happened after that? So I, I had a small part in a movie that was a, sort of an actor studio production. All the actors in it were actor studio members. I had a very small part. And the producer was Sam Spiegel, who had produced many great movies. They were looking for somebody famous to do the part that I played in the movie. But um, uh, nobody famous wanted to do it because the part was small. And so I, I think he asked Montgomery Cliff to play the part. I mean, really, Montgomery Cliff was gonna, wasn't going to do that. So anyway, so what I heard was that Sam Spiegel's girlfriend was on the set and she said, you want to cast Jeffrey? He seems right for that part. And lo and behold, that's how I got the part. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the story that I remember. Somebody told me. So that was it. So I flew to Ceylon, uh, now Sri Lanka, now known as Sri Lanka. But I flew there and was there for six months making the movie. With wow. It took six these, months to shoot that. It was actually longer than that, the whole thing. But I was there for six months of it. You were wonderful in that film. Oh, thanks. That was, I was all right. Can I tell you a funny story about that? Yes, please. All right. So, you know, I was, I, I didn't have much confidence as an actor. I was, uh, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. I know that I wanted to be good. Uh, that's what I, I did want to be good, even though I didn't have much confidence in myself. And so I wanted to talk to the director who was this pretty famous. I'd seen all of his movies. He was this extraordinary film director. And this was his first big movie. By big, I mean big budget movie. Big budget with big star stars. He had made movies with mostly English actors before that. Uh, and uh, there were small movies. They weren't huge, big blockbuster kind of movies. Anyway. Are you talking and, about David Lean? David Lean. And of course, he was, he was busy. Uh, but I did ask if I could have lunch with him. And I had lunch with him. And I had all these ideas that I wanted to talk about the character and this and that. And he would say to me, he's eager. And I would say, yes, yes, but uh, he's eager. He said it about five times during lunch. And I said, okay, he's eager. And there was a line in the movie when William Holden, who at that time was the, the biggest star in the world, the biggest movie star in the world. He couldn't have been nicer, by the way. Very, very nice, very likable, very easygoing. Like a big boy, he would get very restless and, uh, you know, do dumb stuff like throw firecrackers in the dining room. But anyway, he was very, very nice. He was very nice to me. They were all very nice to me. They were very kind and very, very, there was no competition, no unpleasantness. Anyway, so uh, there was a scene in which William Holden was asked whether I would be capable of going on the trek and doing a good job, the, the trek to go blow up the bridge. He had a line that said, 
yeah, he'll be all right. He's kind of eager, but he'll be all right. That's why David Lean wanted me to be eager. When I, I was on the set when they filmed that scene and the line came up, he said, uh, will, will he be okay on the trek? And he said, he's kind of, ah, he'll be all right. He cut the word eager <laughs> because David Lean saw, even though that's what he wanted, that I wasn't good at being eager. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't, I, because I was shy and I was uh, self-conscious and I didn't have confidence, eager was something that didn't come across. So he cut the word. It made me look good. That's what makes me look good. That's why you think I'm good at If that word eager had been in there. Yeah, no, worked. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> so, so, so here's, you know, you talked about fear and anxiety and, you know, a lot of actors deal with that. It's, yes. it's, you know, so teaching the craft of acting for as many years as you have, I'm sure you talk about relaxation and what advice do you have for actors that deal with fear and anxiety? How, you know, what, what, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? Well, I've never really, I've struggled with that. How do you teach that where people who, uh, who like me have a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear? The best thing that I can, people kind of have this expression, embrace your fear, but I don't know what that means, embrace your fear. You know, it's like embracing a bear sometimes, you know, it's just, you know, you don't want to do it. I think the best thing that I can help people with is to say, to accept that you're afraid, that you're going to be afraid, that it's okay to be afraid. There's no law that says you can't be afraid. And that maybe most people are afraid and you just deal with it. You don't try to hide it. You don't try to disguise it. You just let it be there. Permit it to be there. It's a form of sensitivity after all. You know, sensitivity doesn't just mean I can cry when I see a baby. You know, Sensitivity means all kinds of sensitivity. You're sensitive to fear. You're sensitive to rage. You're sensitive to love, to passion, to sorrow. And so I think it's just it's a part of you that I don't think should be denied if you have it. Some people, some actors don't seem to have it. Yeah. Alec Baldwin doesn't seem to have it. You know, for, uh, he just doesn't, he seems like he's comfortable with himself more than most people. Yeah. So, you know, for my actors, I always tell them, don't let's, you know, there's excitement. And I like to turn that nervous into excitement. You're an actor, you're getting to act, you're, you're excited. You got a little adrenaline pumping through your veins. Embrace that. That's a good thing. Well, that's like batteries for an actor. You know, don't, don't, like you said, don't try to block it out. Just go, no. okay, this is how I'm yeah. feeling and use yeah. it and give it to the character and see where, where, where it can take you. You know, I, I think it's, it's truly something that we all, I believe we all have it, whether or not you, you say you don't. I mean, I know I, I want to feel that yeah. adrenaline pumping yeah. through my veins. Yeah. You know, I mean, even come, before coming on with you right now, I had that adrenaline pumping yeah. through my veins. Yeah. You know, you're my acting sure. teacher for when I was 15. So there's, <laughs> a, there's, right. that, there's a, you know, there's a little boy in me going, oh my gosh, oh my God. And yeah. there's an excitement, but I got to go, okay, I'm excited. Take a breath, ground myself and go play. So right. it's, it's, it's getting out of your head. I'm a true believer. I teach my actors how to meditate, how to breathe, how to ground themselves, right. because it's truly a way to get out of your head and get into your heart and find your roots and breathe so you can play your instrument. You know, you can't, you know, right. if you're in your head, you're dead. You can't play your instrument if you're all jacked up with nerves. It's like a violinist trying to play, you know, with the hand shaking. You can't do it. Right. You know, right. so you have to be able to relax your instrument. And I, and I found when I was a young actor, we'd sit in chairs at Lee Strasberg and go, blah, you know, do relaxation, yeah. you know, but you know, that doesn't work if you're in a casting office, you know? Right. No. So, so I've truly found that it's, it's really training your, your breath and meditation and grounding yeah. yourself and quieting the brain. So 
When you train that, when you need it, it's a breath away because you've worked that muscle. And then you can take a breath and the mind goes, oh, I know what we're doing. We're quieting the brain. We're getting into our heart. We're getting grounded and we're going to be able to play. So I'm a big believer in in meditation and, and being able to ground yourself in order to play. I'd like to get back for a second. I want to I want to tell you a little quick a little story. So, you know, as as a young actor at 15, 16 years old when I was over at Lee Strasberg, you know, coming from where I came from, having a teacher like you, you you really truly inspired me to follow you're the one guy that really as a young actor that believed in me. You know, I, I remember I would I'd be so excited to come to class because I knew I was doing something right. You had this habit of rubbing your hands together like this when I was <laughs> when I was when when I when I was doing something good and I was like I could see it from my peripheral vision and I was like, all right, I'm doing something good here. And you had enough faith in me to talked to, I believe it was John Desmond, who was directing a play at the Actors Studio, where right. I read for the role, and Irma Sandre, God rest her soul, was my mother in the play, and uh, I was, I was, my first play was over at the Actors Studio, and here I am, a kid from Brooklyn, you know, wow. you believed in me enough to tell me about this role, and I went over there, and I got that part, and that was my introduction, my first time being at the Actors Studio. And, you know, I was a big fan of Brando. My, and, my know, God, yes. Was, I mean, that, that was the place to, to that be. That was the place studio. to be. It still is in its yeah. way. Yeah. So, so I want to thank you for that. And you inspired me, you know, as a young actor to, you know, go after it, you know, and really focus on yeah. the craft. Right. So, so I, right. I thank you because, you know, shortly right after, I, you know, when I turned after studying with you, when I turned 18, you know, 200 bucks in my pocket that I won on a racetrack. My friend said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Hollywood. Now, to go backtrack a little bit, you remember that little girl we talked about in the beginning? Yes. Well, I, you know, I had run away from home and I, I was living, you know, wherever. And, and and then I moved in with her, you know, in New uh, Jersey. Mel- Missy, uh, Missy, Missy, Melissa, Missy, Missy, Missy. Yeah. Right. So, so, right. so, you know, so I, you know, that's a long story, but you know, we were dating and, you know, right. I, you know, her parents loved me because I was like uh, her bodyguard for auditioning. She was, you know, a little girl from New Jersey. Now all of a sudden she had a bodyguard to take her to auditions in New right. York city. So the parents loved me. So I remember she auditioned for a soap opera called Santa Barbara. Right. And uh, I had right. taken to the audition and, you know, we worked on it. We were rehearsing and whatever. Long story short, she books the part. And she's got to move to California to, to do this soap opera. Well, then right. the, the parents were like, well, we're done with him. We don't need him anymore. So, you know, they would try to cut me out of the picture. Right. <laughs> and to make a very, very long story short, but I got into a, I didn't have a driver's license and I was driving her father's car and I wrecked, oh. I wrecked her father's car. I wrapped it oh. around a tree. And oh. they, I, I had handcuffs on me. I was, oh, you, know, Lord. you know, New Jersey State Police and the whole thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was a bullshit. It was, her, it was her way to get out of the relationship. Pretty much, she didn't, she didn't defend me. She didn't say anything right. to incriminate me. But she, right. she was, she was out of the picture. So long story uh-huh. short. Uh, my mother, my Brooklyn mom had to go to a New Jersey police station to pick me up. Oh, and, oh, Lord. and but, you know, they didn't know what they were dealing with because they were dealing with a, a Brooklyn mom that was like, well, you were letting my son live in your house and he's a minor. So that they she she spun it on. Oh. Them. I was released in her custody, you know, and here I am back in Brooklyn in my mother's mother's apartment. 
watching wow. television and watching Missy making out with oh. some dude on a soap opera. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that that was like it it hurt. You know, I was in love. Yeah, you know, I was that. I was it was puppy love, but I was in love with her. So well, of course. So well, she uh, was a lovable girl. Yeah. To, to once again, I think it was like six years ago. My agent calls me up and he says, "Hey, uh, there's a Days of Our Lives, a soap opera. They uh, there's a role on it, and they want you for it." And I was like, "Yeah, nah, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to do a soap opera. I was like, you know, I, I kind of passed on it." And they said, they, "Okay, they want you to put yourself on tape or whatever." So I put myself on tape just to put myself on tape. And then they, you know, they offered me the part, and it was like, you know, 15 episodes on the show, whatever. But here I am now. I'm in my dressing room. Then over the intercom says. Billy Gallo and Melissa, I think her name's Reeves now, Reeves uh, oh. to stage five. <laughs> oh my goodness. How cool no, is I that? Walk out, I walk out one door, she walks out of the other door, we run into each other in the hallway. That is great. That's and a then, great story. And then we were, now we're on set filming this whole, working with each other. It was, it was crazy. Like how we got is, so full circle from 15 years old, is, from all the relationships and all the. That's it was, great. It was, I love that. I love yeah, that. It was, it, was a, it was a crazy story. So, you know, the craft, you studied with Lee, what advice, you know, would you give actors maybe books to read or what to do to just really, you know, work on their craft? Oh, there's so many books, you know, actually my favorite book is a directing book, Notes on Directing. I recommend to everybody. You can get it uh, on iBooks. So you can get it on your phone or your computer and it's on directing, but it really is about, act. it's about, is that Sidney uh, Lament? It's every no, no. Oh. Notes on directing. It's by this English guy and an American guy. An English guy. He was a famous director in England, Frank Hauser, and he had an assistant who was American, Russell Wright. And this director just handed him the notes. He said, "Here, here's some notes." So the book is Notes on Directing, and it's literally just two or three notes on a page. And sometimes acting books go on and on and on about what you have to do and you have to do it. And it, this, I find them really boring. I have to admit something. I bought An Actor Prepares in 1950 <laughs> uh, when I was in college, and I still haven't finished it. You know? I have a new translation of it. It's sitting right there next to me, and uh, I keep looking at it, and maybe someday I will finish it. But I find it it gets too complicated, the explanations. You know? So I, this one particular book is very inexpensive, Notes on Directing. And while it is for directors, it really is, helps actors in every way. It's, it's a wonderful book. The thing that I think, well, I think, let me explain something else too. So because I had fear and anxiety, I was good when I was, when I say good, I was okay, not great, but good enough when I was young and playing young, young men's parts, young boys, like boys. But then I had this success and I felt suddenly I had to be a man and I didn't feel like a man. I don't know what that means to you. To me, it's kind of like Leo DiCaprio. I mean, he was really good when he was a boy. You know? He's still a boy in some ways. And sometimes when he plays men's parts, he's not as good as when he was just a boy, like in Gilbert Grape or in mm -hmm. This Boy's Life or some other movie. That, uh, the movie that he did with uh, Spielberg, they were so good in. Uh, the Maybe one with Christopher Walken. Oh. Catch me if you can. Yeah. So my acting got worse because I suddenly was cutting out the very thing that gave me fuel. I think that's the word you used, or the batteries. Uh, my fear and anxiety was my fuel. And, but I thought it was wrong if I'm a man to have that. And that's because I had a screwed up childhood. It wasn't a, a, a 
dramatic criminal childhood like you grew up in in Brooklyn. It was different kind of a stifling kind of childhood where you're just filled with guilt and shame about fate, about being the best or not being good. I think the thing that actors should do, that all artists do, is to look at their childhood. You can't fix it. You can't fix what was broken. But you can look at it and say, I can do something with it. Not try to deny it, not try to pretend it was great, not try to pretend it was the worst in the world. It was what it was, your childhood. And that it's childhood memories that fuel you. So if I look out my window here as a tree here, and every time I see that tree, it reminds me of the tree in my front lawn in Cuba where I grew up. Every time I look at it. I don't know why. It's nothing like that same tree, but it brings back and brings back so many memories. And it's out of those memories. That's that's my real fuel. So whether there's fear or whether there's rage or whether there's sorrow, what's important is that it comes from some real memory in my childhood that fuels me still to this day. Even I'm 87 years old and it still fuels me. Yeah. What happens, you know, I've had a lot of death in, um, in my families and my friends, a lot of deaths. And it's terrible when it happens. You feel a loss. It's terrible. The, the, the big losses are what happened to you when you were a child. So somebody really smart said, you look at the world once when you're a child. That's, that's your first look at the world. You look at it. And then after that, it's all memory. And so I would encourage anybody who wants to act or do any art, write anything, it's memory. It's all there in the memory. Plus whatever you pick up day to day, of course, the books you read, the experiences you have, but it's memory. And the great Italian actress, Duza, said something. She said it in her own way, but it's memory. Anyway, that's that's how I feel. That's beautiful. You know, and I hear you 100% and I believe in, in that exactly. That's what I tell my actors. I say everything that's have happened to you in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything, that's your gold in, in your actor toolbox. That's yeah. what you're going to mine. All that truth from your childhood, all that stuff. Your vulnerability is your strength. Yeah. Yes, you know, yeah, exactly. People, you know, it's you got to use that. That's your gift. That's your star power. Nobody has that. You're, Billy, that's you're, perfect. Your vulnerability is your strength. But is. that's not what you're taught as a child. You're taught no, you're it's vulnerable. Not. That you're means told, you're weak. You're yeah. weak. Yeah. But you, you know, yeah. it's, you know, but listen, I, yeah. and I hear the story, the childhood story. You know, I, I start with my, all my actors the same exact way. And I ask them, who are you? Who are you? What are your highs? What are your lows? Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about all that stuff because we want to start loading up your actor toolbox from all of that stuff because one day you're going to have to play a a character and you're going to have to get to an emotion. Well, well, how do you get there? Well, you go into your actor toolbox. You remember, you know, the time you sat on the stoop waiting for your daddy to pick you up and he never showed up, you know, because (laughs) he said he was going to pick you up to play baseball. But you get to that real sensation, that truth. And that's the paint that you paint the canvas of the scene with is your truth. See, I don't right. teach acting. I teach truth. I don't want to see anybody act. That's acting's boring to me. I don't want to see act. If you can be vulnerable, if you can be truthful, if you can take your soul and give it to a character and expose it through the character, then we yeah. feel it. The audience feel it. The casting directors feel it. That's right. when they make, they remember you. They won't, you know, that's when you, how you become a working actor is, is you make them feel, but you only make them feel by you being truthful and using your, your, your childhood. Right. You know? That's right. That's and good. I say, change your story, change your life. For me, I had a whole story about, you know, my, you know, my parents were divorced. I come from a broken home. There was a lot of abuse. You know, if there was a checklist that everything could go bad to a child, I check all the boxes. You know, I had this whole story of abandonment, all this stuff that I carried around with me my whole life and like right. baggage. Listen, as a young actor, yeah, 
I, I had access to my anger, my pain or whatever, you know, it was right there. It was accessible. I just lived it. There was right. a lot of stuff, a lot of pain, but it's, it's how you shift it and how you change the story. I look at it now. I don't look at the story as a, a story of abandonment. I, I look at the story as, is she loved me so much that she didn't know she, you know, she couldn't take care of me. So she put me in somebody's hands that could take care of me. So mm -hmm. it's a different story of being abandoned or, you know, love. So right. I've, I've shifted everything, everything that had, had happened in my life had to happen mm -hmm. because it's all my gold. It's, a, it's made me the father I am today. It's made me the husband I am today. It's made me the teacher I am today. I had to go to, so everything that happened was a gift. It wasn't yes. a bad thing. It was a gift. So, you know, I truly believe that, you know, we have to embrace our, our past. That is Absolutely. the goal. How many kids do you have? How many kids? I, I have, oh, you mean my students, my kids. No, children. <laughs> no, I have one. I have one son, 13. Oh, one son. Yeah, he's 13. Yeah, it's a beautiful son. He's 13 That's years old. That's nice. How That's many kids nice. do you have? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, nine altogether. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, two are deceased. I'm but, sorry so there's seven left. Yeah. Wow. But so there, yeah, nine, but six of them were adopted children. Anyway, wow. it's a long story. It's a yeah. long story. So, you know, I, I, you know, another thing that I tell my, I do tell my students is because especially the boys, the boys like to act angry, you know, and life anger is not fun and acting. You think it's fun because you like throwing such, you know, people like to throw chairs around and stuff. I, I remind them always that pain comes before anger mm -hmm. and they don't like that because you have to deal with the pain first. Mm -hmm. That's what causes you to be angry. Now, maybe you don't show your pain, but Recovery. there is pain there. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that's the, I think that's the thing that the, that's the, the thing that makes actors like Marlon Brando great is there's pain in every word he said. That's the first uh, thing I look for when I pick up a script. Where's the pain? Yeah. That, Where's the pain? Even if I have to cover it, I want to know yeah, where it is because we all yes, have it. That's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Jeffrey, you know, looking at you right now, it's, it's so great to see you. I mean, you look amazing. You're 87. You look amazing. You're still teaching the craft at 87 years old at Lee Strasberg in New York in the same, probably same freaking theater that I was, I used to come in to, to take class. Probably. You know, uh, it, it, let's see, it was it 1999. I went back to New York to produce a movie. Right. Uh, the Kings of Brooklyn. And when I was in right. New York, you know, making that film, it was it was quite a challenge. I, I was the producer on the film, the only producer uh -huh. on the film. And I was also a lead in the film. And I was also responsible for two and a half million dollars that, oh. that and I was producing a film in character. That was the that was the, the I, you know, I just found some mini DV tapes and I put them in and they were like behind the scenes footage of me. You know, I had a friend of mine that was following. I have some great footage of us. I'm converting it. I'll send it to you. It's awesome. You know, yeah. on the set when I was bleeding and you were the priest and the whole thing, you know, my skull cracked open. Right. There's some, there's some great footage of, of us. But when I was, I looked at the tape, I didn't even recognize myself because it wasn't me. It was the character. I had not, wow. I, I, I produced the film in character, you know, because I'd have yeah. to go from producer yeah. to the set, you know? Yes. So my character smoked, I'm smoking. I'm, you know, I'm just, I, I didn't even recognize myself, but it was such an honor. You know, when I was back in New York, the movie, the market, the Wall Street, you took a dump. I had to, uh, my, my film, I needed another $500,000 to complete the film, finishing money. So I, I, uh, a movie that I should have been in New York for a few months turned into two years. Uh, and I was in character <laughs> most uh, of the time there. 
you know, waiting to make that film. But when I, when I came back for reshoots, uh, you know, and I started reworking the script, I said, I was thinking about a character, maybe it was a reporter. And then I said, no, maybe it's a priest. And then when I, when I started writing the priest, I said, I know who's going to play this part. And it was so great to have you cast you in the film and, and to be able to work and act with you side by side, that, you know, that was fun. That was, that was pretty awesome. That was fun. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And you've done that before. I mean, you've had Adam Sandler and you worked together. And in, 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 I had that little part in that movie. Uh, Big, Big Daddy. Daddy. A yeah. little tiny part. Little yeah, but tiny that, was a part. Great, that was a great scene. <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, the truth is, I don't love acting anymore. I, I liked being an actor, but I, I stopped liking it. And, and I found out that I loved teaching. So I really got lucky. I found out late in life what I really wanted to do was teach. But I think if I hadn't had all that experience as an actor before, I think that's helped me. That's helped me be a teacher, to have the experience of acting. Just to be a teacher without having acted at all would be so great. Because yeah. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. That's, um, I think that's what makes you a great teacher. You have the experience. You know what it's like to, to, to be vulnerable, to have to be on the spot and have to dig in deep and mess with, play with your emotions. For me, I know it's been a gift for me. You know, I, tr I, I've, I've been blessed. I got the dream. I, you know, I, I achieved the, you know, I had the series, the movies, the, that, and when I was in New York City making that film and I had the big loft and the title and the stuff, right. I had never been so miserable in my life. Uh, and I said yeah. to myself, when I was sitting in my big ass loft, I was like, is this it? Uh, is this it, you know? <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was so empty. I had it, I achieved it. I was like, okay. Yeah. And it wasn't until I found my true passion, which is teaching right. the craft, being the guide, right. because I've been there, done that. I got the t-shirt to prove it. I know I've, I've carved my path through Hollywood. So now right. I get to guide my actors and teach them all the stuff that I've learned. You know, I wish there was somebody like me when I came to Hollywood when I was 18 that could have pointed me in the direction and said, oh, stay yeah. away from that photographer. Go this way. Stay in the, do this. You know, this is how you audition. This right. is what to do, what not to do. So I get to be that guy now. And, well, that's, and that's great. It's, it's great. The craft, I love teaching the craft. Acting, you know, I've been there, done that. I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy to run out and do some acting right now. I act more now than ever in yes. my life because I'm everybody's yes. scene partner. <laughs> right. I direct more right. now. You know, talk about 10,000 hours. I've got, I've logged my hours. So right. if I do get a chance in front of the camera, I know it's going to be a, a different actor there because I've been really working on my craft. But I love yeah. teaching. It's been it's been a blessing. You know, it's been if you would have told me years ago that I'd be teaching, I'd be like, oh, you're crazy. You know, my ego <laughs> would have gotten away. My ego was, you know, right. it was me. It was acting me, 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 me. Right. But what I truly found is it's a it's not about me. It's about being of service. It's how can I give? How can I make a difference in somebody else's life? And whenever every text, every email, everything I get an actor telling me, hey, I booked that job. I got that part. I got my SAG card. I got an agent. I got a That turns me on. That right. fills me up because it's not about me. It's about how can I make a difference right. in somebody else's life. Right. And, and you know, you, I mean, think about what you've done. I mean, you inspired me and now I get to inspire others and help other people achieve their dream. It's a, it's, you know, that rippling effect. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I'm Absolutely. truly, truly grateful to you. I think you're a wonderful teacher and I am so blessed that I, I got an opportunity to study under you. It's amazing. I'm just out of curiosity, you know, with COVID and, you know, things have changed. I mean, I, I listen, I have an, a school and I don't have any students. Right. You know, everything's online, you know, and I've yeah. pivoted and I truly, you know, I, I kind of like teaching online. I think 
for me, it's like I, I've done short films. It's like, you know, it's like filming. I got a close up here, a close up here. You know, you do scene works, you know, you put it right. on view. It, you know, it's a tight shot. So I've done a little short film on this thing. And it's been it's been a lot of a lot of fun working on, on this. And, you know, I get to I'm not tied to my brick and mortar anymore. Uh-huh. You know, I have students in different states, different countries. Right. So yeah. it's great. So you're yeah. you're you know, how has this transition been for you during this time, you know, teaching online? Well, at first I was speaking of fear and anxiety. It was, I was terrified. I thought maybe it'd be better just to die of the damn virus uh, than to have to do it. But it took me quite a while to get used to it. And of course, I do have students. Uh, tomorrow I have a class. Someone, two people are in Germany. One person is in Sweden. Another person is in India. A couple are in Brooklyn. So it's nice. It, that's a nice thing. Awesome. Um, and I do. I've gotten to like it actually. For one thing, you're seeing the actors in close up, which mm-hmm. is different than in yeah. class. And so you're seeing them in close up. You're seeing, uh, you're seeing things that you can't always see in a classroom, even if you're it's a small, a small room. So I find, it took me a while to get used to it, quite a while. But now I have a class tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, 8 to 12, because they have to accommodate somebody who's in India in the class. I find I can work more intensely in a short amount of time with somebody. Mostly they don't want to do scenes. They want to do monologues, which is fine. And I can work really intensely with them. So I, I found that I think there's some real advantages to it. Yeah. Uh, of course, I miss the class. I miss the atmosphere of being in a class with a lot of people around. Uh, it's a nice atmosphere that, that you don't get. Other than that, I, I'm basically enjoying it. I get up really early in the morning so that I'm ready to teach by 8 o'clock. Uh, I've I found that I've liked it a lot. I'm teaching quite a few hours. It'll be some 18 or 19 hours. Wow. Uh, starting in November, I've added, I've added a couple of workshops, a Shakespeare workshop. and a. Well, that's one thing. It's funny. You know, as you get older, it's harder to learn lines. You know? A lot of actors quit acting because they can't remember their lines. Paul Newman, before he got the cancer, quit because he said, I can't remember lines anymore. So every day I practice learning Shakespeare. Every day I do it. Every day. Awesome. So if I have a 50-line speech, it'll take me 50 weeks because I learn about a line a week. But still, <laughs> I, but, but I, I'm, I'm making myself do it. That's awesome. Uh, and actually enjoying it a great deal. Yeah. So Jeffrey, I once again I'm I'm truly honored to have you on the show. I thank you from the bottom of my heart coming on here. I can't wait for this thing to be done. So yes. you know, I'd yes. love to come to New York City. I'd love to see you. you yes. Know, if you ever yeah. come out to LA, come visit. Love that's to probably have you. not gonna that's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> that I'm going to LA or any place yeah. else. Not for a long time yeah. anyway. You're, you're a, a New Yorker. Time. You're diehard. I'm I'm at home here. This this is a place that I'm at home. Yeah, wow. I miss New it. York. It's perfect. Yeah, I you know I live downtown Manhattan. I look out my window. I see the wonderful buildings. That's uh, I I love New York. I don't want to be in any place else. Yeah. What's not to yeah. love? Yeah, really. Well, Jeffrey. Well, you thanks. Stay thanks safe. for having me, thank Billy. You. Thanks thank for having me. Thank you. It's yeah. been my honor, my pleasure. Yeah. And oh, stay safe, stay healthy. Yes, I will. I will. I'll do the best I can. All right. Bless you. Bless you. Right. God bless. Take care. Th- thank you, Billy. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. 
Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.